Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Connor Hogan, PhD. You're welcome to The Doc Connor Show. It's time to figure it all out. So let's think about what are the four successful habits of rich people. Hmm. I'm glad that you've joined me, so please watch until the end because you will definitely get new habits. So let's start. How can you become rich? And more so, how can you start to actually learn the habits of being that successful person? The reality is not all of us are born into money. Not all of us actually have to just wake up in the morning and suddenly there's a wonderful business, a profitable business there. So we need to do things. And the first thing we need to do is alter our personalities, alter our personas, alter our ways. And in doing so, that takes a behavioral change. So what is a behavioral change? Well, it means that we need to actually create habits. So what are those habits? The habits are simply be your own boss. Let's look at a guy called George Soros. He escaped, believe it or not, the Nazi camp. And of course, back in World War II, the Nazi camp was a place not to be, to say the very least. He was one of the most, I suppose, successful investors in the world, not just at that time, but really, if we look at it, of all time. You see, Soros, he was the type that would create a franchise but by creating this franchise, he'd have to invest in the first place in order to get success. He started off in the country of Hungary in Europe. And here he had very, very humble beginnings because there there was a Nazi occupation. And remember, this is way back in the 30s and 1940s. But he survived this national Nazi occupation. And then George Soros, well, his father, in fact, was really really active in saving George's life. What did he do? Well, he paid off the government employee. Sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. But then in 1947, Soros actually escaped what was called the Cold War, and there was a thing called the Iron Curtain. Long story short was that, well, you couldn't trade as freely and as openly as you wanted to be. Then he made it to London, baby. Oh, yes, London in the United Kingdom. After that, he earned a degree in the London School of Economics. Now, let's just hold up for a second about George. I mean, straight away, isn't it amazing that he can get that far? That's where you show yourself that you can actually begin to reap the benefits of your success. All right, there's no money involved at this stage, but still, he's being really and truly and utterly independent, going from one country to another, fleeing such a war like that. But that's not the end of the story. You see... After he graduated, Soros was, well, living a modest life, working at a souvenir shop. And he didn't and wouldn't, and come on, you won't get rich in that regard. But he became part of a merchant bank from there. And this was the trigger, really, for the start of his career. And then, after that, he became one of the most famous investors on the planet. But it's not just George Soros, not just him that has hard work at his core. A guy called Larry Ellison also came from the slums. He actually founded, or co-founded even, Oracle. 
Now, Ellison, coming from the slums, obviously wasn't born into great fame, renown, or indeed money. He had to be his own boss, and he had to do it himself. You see, he was born on the Lower East Side of New York City. And again, it was during the World War II back in the 1940s. And this district was quite poor, and it was teeming with immigrants. So trying to survive, well, it was a battle. At an early age, Ellison contracted pneumonia, so another setback, here we go. But he was sent to the south side of Chicago. Yes, Chicago, the Wendy City in USA. And here he had to live with his relatives. And of course, he had to foster new links and develop new networks and friends. Now, he had many obstacles, even just these two at the moment. Quite enough for most people. But still, he was able to educate himself and join a software development lab back in 1977. Now, let's just think of it. The internet didn't come along till the 1990s, so this is a good 20 years beforehand. So, he's already ahead of the curve. Now, this was a crucial move because some years later, 1982, that's when he really formed and began to dance with the millionaires. And he formed Oracle, his company. Now, this brought in 38 billion dollars every year. And along the way, Ellison, who then stepped down as the chief executive officer in 2014, managed to accumulate over, guess what, 46.2 billion dollars in net worth. Ching ching, baby. There's another guy, and the stories go on. Let's look at John Paul DeJoria. And he ran his business from his car. Now, that's an interesting one. Why? Because nowadays we have so much pressure on rents and rates and government bodies, taxes and so on. To get started is so difficult. So we need to be tactical. And that's the story of John Paul Jura. The interesting thing about him was, although born in Los Angeles, even in the United States of America, he was a first generation American. His business life started out with, believe it or not, selling Christmas cards. Aha, I hear you say, is there millions in that? Well, if you get a Christmas number one in the charts for music, well, you could make millions. You get royalties after all. But it wasn't royalties he was getting. Because he started this little business adventure when he was just nine or ten years of age, so quite young. But he was getting into the way of thinking of entrepreneurship. Then he spent time in a street gang. It didn't look so good for DeJoria. I mean, let's face it, a street gang, it ain't going to be happening, not with money. Unless something else happens. For him though, he then later created the, the John Paul Mitchell Systems. Now this came from a $700 loan. Okay, you got to spend money to make money it seems, especially for John. Now, Right then, he lived out of his car, and believe it or not, he sold door to door. Shampoo was his product. Like my hair? Hope you do. <laughs> Later, though, he began to diversify into diamonds. Yes, diamonds. Diamonds are forever. And mobile phones. Now, now we're getting to the technology bit. And alcohol. So see his product list? Interesting, eh? But first, it took him a long time to escape living out of his car. So he started off with, shall we say, a home office. And here I am in mine, and here I am at the end of the day, and thankfully doing what I do best. So that's just another story of people just working really hard, and being what they need to be. But they're being their boss, and that brings me on to the second thing, 
And it is just what I said, it's working really hard. It's the second habit of what you need to be successful and be the best in the richness takes. So let's face it, you have to work hard. But what you do when you're working is, well, that's the question. You need to be effective and efficient in how you work. 18 hours a day is my standard working hard. Certainly for the first, well, I won't just say a few months, but for quite a while. But work is play when you know how. And not only that, work is play when you enjoy what you're doing. Because when you're your own boss, habit number one, you're moving forward. You're moving on. You're moving to where you need to go. You're moving in your direction, not others. Take Oprah. Oprah Winfrey, what a famous name, what a famous woman, what a great woman. So everybody almost in the world knows or has heard of Oprah. She's the talk show queen. And it is said that she had a net worth of 2.9 billion in the 2000s. 2.9 billion, okay, that's short of $3 billion. But hey, that's just kind of like having a billion dollars, like $1 for half of the world, that's 50 cent for the world's population, 50 cent per head. Yeah, she's got a good, big customer base. Now, Oprah lives a luxurious life, but she's earned it. You see, when she was younger, she didn't have that type of life. It was nowhere near that. Because when she was a child, her father was so poor that Oprah actually had to wear potato sacks as clothes. That's no kidding. Despite all of this, she followed her dream. And that's another thing interesting outside the four habits you've got to have that dream but we'll get to that later check out my other videos and you'll see why her dream of course was to be a talk show host now remember she would have grown up in television land television was new it was multi-channel or just beginning to become multi-channel so that was her youth and it fostered her dream so on she went she started off professionally as a newspaper reporter in Tennessee and later on a news reporter on TV. Then after that, thankfully, she got into her own talk show and that's where she really struck gold. So her dream matched exactly the reality of how she was succeeding. After that, she began to become really business smart. She had syndication companies and they began to pay her millions, yes, millions of dollars. And as you can see, from our last entrepreneur who had, well, let's say door-to-door -door shampoo sales living out of their car, when you get from that product range right up to millions of dollars, from pence dollars right up to millions of dollars through the hundreds and thousands, well, you can see how the billions start off. So for Oprah then, she expanded her enterprise and she had investments in media firms and then built a billion dollar portfolio. No potato sacks there, I hear you say. So Oprah is just one of the most striking figures in entrepreneurship as well as television. Another great guy who was television bound because of his raw athletic talents was a guy called Michael Jordan. Now Jordan was a fantastic basketball player. And not only that, but he just dictated his career towards the end of his career. Such was his prowess. Such was his athletic ability. Such was his ability to swim, spin, turn, swivel, do almost every skill in the game with grace. He then went on to play pro sport in another sporting realm altogether, just showing you how talented he really was. But he didn't start out like that in many ways. Okay, he had raw talent. And how did that equal money? Well, it took hard work. 
You see, he took hundreds of jump shots every day in order to be the prestigious physical person that he ended up being. He had raw talent, yes, but he needed to practice. He needed to harness that. Now, one of his coaches, a guy called Phil Jackson, wrote that it was hard work that actually made Jordan the legend that he is. And he reckoned that his jump shots wasn't even good enough to begin with. During the off-season, he would take hundreds of jumpers a day until it was perfect. So, there you go. There is another hugely successful athlete, but also turned entrepreneur, because he made loads of money. Because his defining characteristic for Jordan was, it wasn't just his talent, or his good looks, or his notoriety to be known, but that was harnessed too. But it was his humility to know that he had hard work constantly to be the best. He had to harness that hard work. Action. So there's another great guy, another great example of hard work. So what are the two habits so far, the four successful habits to be rich? You've got to be your own boss and you've got to work hard. So let's look at another one. Another wonderful habit that you need to do, you need to continually do. It's learning and upskilling. You need to upskill and to be open to learn. So, for example, if you're going online, you want to make new websites, social media, create content, write copy, etc. All of those skills are needed. Why? Because if you're starting out in a car, well, you need to have at least a laptop and a charger. So you need to be able to go practical with things. And yeah, outsourcing is really, really cool. And it's the way to go in one way. But if you ain't got nothing, you've got to start learning. That's the third habit. So let's look at one guy, a guy called Larry Ellison. He was a very ambitious young guy. And he believed that he needed more recognition. That's how he felt about himself. So that's an interesting fact also. But he had a desire, a worldly desire, to feel this worthiness and to ching ching, cash in. You see, he decided that he would prove to the world that he was worthy. This was his kind of, I suppose, mission. And he had what was called a solid self-confidence program. And this was... Well, along with a stroke of luck, it was seen that a thing that just graduated him to greater times. Larry started working, you see, initially as a, at a software company. And then he, well, wasn't really satisfied with his job. Can you blame him? I mean, come on. But seriously, though, he just wanted to be more successful, more worthy. So after working as a programmer for eight years, he discovered that, well, he could invent software that handled information processing and databases searches even better than the wonderfully successful multi-billion dollar industry of IBM. This, at that time, was one of the largest companies internationally full stop. And he did. He did it himself. But it was... Larry's self-belief, he believed, that, well, just triggered him on because at the age of 34, that was when his first software company was created. And this was the version, or the first version indeed, of software that he believed was superior to IBM's products. Now, let's think about it. If he thought really young, like 14, 15, 18 years of age, that he wanted to be rich, he wanted to be successful, and it took him to 34, let's be realistic. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes learning skills, just like Larry, in order to get there. 
You have to foster that habit. But he also believed that belief in himself was key to him getting the worth of $100 million. Ching, ching, ching. You believe me now? You better. So watch this until the end. Why? Because we have one more habit coming up. But remember though, Larry's eager desire for success prevented him from well, collapsing because he started taking serious action. And this is what these habits do. You create these habits, you foster these habits, they become actionable. You do them, they become you. They mold into your personality. Before long, Larry used that molding technique because he had $2 billion years later. Not bad, eh? But this grew then in 2012 to Larry's net worth, which was estimated to be $43 billion. Hello, Oprah, the fifth richest man in the world at that time. But it's not just all men. Sarah Blakely, she graduated from Florida State in 1993. Now, she had intended to go to law school, but she failed. She didn't do too well indeed with her LSATs. And that just happened, not once, but unfortunately, twice. And from there, she took a job at, believe it or not, another multi-million dollar industry. And that's where she made her money? Not quite. She took a job in Disney World and hated it. So with that, she wound up in sales and cold calling. See what I'm saying? From there, though, her prospects well, were kind of limited because she sold fax machines for businesses. So, what are fax machines? Well, a little bit more advanced than the uh, telephone, but not surely as advanced as texting on, on mobile phones. Now, she had this knack, though. She was an excellent salesperson. And it was challenging, but it led her to true success because even though she kept her job and spent nights and then weekends working on products that would eventually become Spanx, S-P-A-N-X, this cold calling experience came in really handy for her because she got to network with advisors and suppliers and retailers and then she knew people. Hmm. But her company became an apparel juggernaut and she owned the whole thing herself and it expanded to $1.1 billion. You feel me? You got me. But that's not just it. There's not just three habits, there's four. So what is that fourth habit? What is the success that you need to adopt within yourself? Well, having those three habits of working hard, of being your own boss, and of course, learning new things, being open and learning yourself, it's not good enough without having a vision. So really and truly, you need to have a vision. You need to know where you're going. In all of the above stories, the earlier stories, you might actually have heard that these people had a vision, but they had a vision in some regard. I bet you if you asked any one of them what was their dream, they would actually tell you, yeah, to have lots of money. But also, they had a rough roadmap of where to get there, and how to get there more importantly. Of course, not all of them went the straight line down the motorway. Some of them had to turn left and right, jink left and right, maybe go down a few blind alleyways, such as working out of your car. But still in all, the bigger vision was there. So you need to have that vision. Here's how. You can have what's called mind mapping. You see, mind mapping works. 
and it's a creative process that works on your brain. Now, the great thing about mind maps is that it has held entrepreneurs to become really, really great innovators for generations now. And it's beginning to become used, not only in apps, but in many, many other ways with many successful people. In fact, there's successful people now that are making millions of dollars alone just on using mind maps and selling this whole idea. Mind maps connects the brain to what you actually vision of what you want to do. And these techniques are used by strategists just basically anywhere. Now, more about mind maps and all successful techniques in other videos, but for now, please, well, subscribe, hit that comment below if you can, and if you do subscribe, I'm sure you will enjoy the other videos. But for now, thank you for watching, and make sure to, well, check out your own office whether in a car or somewhere else, because you too will be a success.